been too long. Too, too long. I missed you, buddy. I missed you too, Aaron. We've been... We've been chatting on the side, but uh, it's it's nice to catch up with you in in real life on podcast, etc. We've been chatting. Uh, we've been giving each other therapy on the side <laughs> a little bit. Uh, now I'm uh, thrilled to have you. It's been a weird year. It's, we just realized it's been a year, at least a year, since we talked or podcast. Um, and I think we both have our situations, so. So we have, I think we're, uh, you, of course, John Lobinger here, Film Baby Film, um, and Film Baby Film on hiatus for the moment, but probably going to come back. Yeah, I don't know what happened to my energies, but uh, during COVID, uh, I think it was getting engaged and my job weirdly kicking up a notch. Uh, so I've had, I had to reshuffle my priorities, but my suspicion is that in June, we'll be back in full force at Film Baby Film. All the episodes are still up and everything. But yeah, it's been a hiatus for a little while. So it's particularly sweet to come back on and, you know, come here to the Nerve Center Criterion now <laughs> and to be able to chat movies. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I missed you. I mean, we, that's one thing. We, we've slowed down a little bit during COVID. And um, and that's, uh, yeah, so it can only fit in so many friends and we have so many. So yeah, I, I was actually thrilled to have you for this episode in particular in fact, I think you'll know because you texted me right <laughs> when we when you learned of something, um, and uh, I think it was something like I was right or something. Or I, <laughs> um, I, well, I might as well spill it. So we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit. But um, but you predicted World of Wong Kar Wai was it three years ago, four years ago? Oh uh, my gosh! And I don't even. So I tried to go back to find the first. The first criterion now where we discussed a Wong Kar Wai box set. I know that oh. the first time I ever went on your show, I mispronounced Wong Kar Wai. I called it I called him Wong Kar Wai, and you very politely said, "I don't think that's how you say it." I was like, "I don't know, Aaron. I think you should look it up." But, but no, yeah, I don't remember how. Or, but it was years ago, and we've been making jokes about Wong Kar Wai box set, and now it's finally here. It's uh, it's you know. What what a time to be alive! Yeah, I think I think it, it became a, a joke. I mean, I don't know if we really had an inkling of of uh, hints or anything that to you know. I don't, I don't I don't know if it was very credible. I think it was one of those just hey, we wish for Bergman box set, and it looked like that time that was coming. And I remember in our Facebook group there were lots of all caps one car war box one car Y box set. <laughs> so it's that day has finally come, sort of. But you know. We're gonna dig into that a little bit. So, um, anyway, Jonathan Lobinger, thrilled to have you, film baby film, and um, longtime friend, as as we just noted. So, uh, first thing before we get into the March releases, uh, I do want to shout out that we just had the best of Criterion cast. Oh, well, best of Criterion cast, best of twenty twenty Criterion cast. And yes, there are some good things about twenty twenty that we found to talk about. Um, mainly, Criterion had a pretty kick ass year. And so that, as we record this, we're recording on the 27th, uh, and this will probably go up during the week, but that show just went up yesterday, so probably, I don't know, I don't think you've had a chance to listen either, um, but it was about two hours, and Scott and I hosted it with uh, myself, David Blakesley, uh, Jordan Esso, and um, uh, Trevor Barrett, uh, also among friends. Uh, we had a great conversation, and uh, yeah, you'll get to hear our, our favorites of the year. Do you have any favorites of 2020? John? 
Well, I, I do have to say, I love year-end episodes. I love year-end lists. I The New York Times, we get the we get the weekender. Um, I love the end of the year and getting all the book lists, the movie lists, uh, catch up all the stuff that I miss. So I, I particularly love the Criterion cast end-of-year episode. So I'm really excited to listen to that. Um, gosh, no, for Criterion, this has been a killer year, and it's really hard to beat the Agnes Varda box set, right? Like, that was, that was absolutely amazing. So, um, that's where I'm at for now. I don't, I'd have to do some more thinking about it to see if anything else comes up near that. Um, but for me, that was the hands-down favorite. Yeah, um, that was the gold standard, and we, and I did, didn't mean to put you on the spot, but we kind of, um... We had to exclude that in Fellini just because it really wasn't fair to everything else that came out. Um, kind of like right. Bergman in, in 2018. So, uh, but I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Agnes Vardaset was beautiful. So, uh, let's get into March 2021. Uh, we might have some beautiful box sets. We, one of them. Well, it the cover is beautiful. Uh, there'll, be, <laughs> there'll be there will be beauty there. So, we're, but there is a little controversy. So, I want to talk about that as well. Um, so, what the world of Wong Kar Wai? Uh, it's not not like the complete Wong Kar Wai. It has uh, as tears go by. So, beginning in 1988, uh, Days of Being Wild, Chungking Express, Fallen Angels, Happy Together, In the Mood for Love, and 2046. So, that excludes uh, Ashes of Time, who's a big omission, and then of course the work post 2046, which would be. Uh, my Blueberry Nights and the Grandmaster. Am I forgetting one? Uh, no, that's. I think that's pretty much it. I, I and for me, the Ashes of Time omission is the is the one that I was sad about. That hurts. The other two, I'm not as concerned with. Yeah, my Blueberry Nights. I'm, I'm fine. Never seeing that thing again. Um, but I. I mean, aside from the controversy, we'll we'll, we'll get into that here in a, in a second. Um, I, I think the selection of films uh I'm, i'll probably i haven't seen ashes of time so i'll have to look for that elsewhere i think there are some other sets elsewhere um but yeah it's it's uh 4k restorations so it's a big deal because their studio canal is one um and also some films that we didn't have uh, great versions of previously um they're all i believe they're all 4k aren't they and they're all approved by the director correct yes. okay and um, so, yeah, so what, what was your immediate reaction when you saw this? Uh, and I guess the text message notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> the immediate reaction was excitement. Um, and it wasn't even it wasn't even a finally it's here because we obviously beyond some of the early hints or guesses or wild speculations, there was also the uh, year end, you know, the box set year end cartoon. And so we sort of knew that it was eventually going to come and with the Janus touring and everything. I think I so yes, it was initial excitement, but then there was more excitement because I was really excited that 2046 was added. I think first of all, when we were originally speculating, I think most people were expecting like a five movie set and so having a tears as tears go by and having 2046 added to it, that's exciting. Um the only thing that I'm annoyed with, and we're going to talk about the controversy, and you're going to find that um, not really concerned with most of the controversy. The only sort of you know wishful thinking is it would have been nice to have Ashes of Time added, but there probably was a very good reason, and um, that you know that wasn't included. So yeah, I'm unmitigated excitement, really. 
Yeah, the last time, well, I believe the last show we actually reviewed the trailer for this for the World of One Car Wide, the, the touring um, package, and and it did not have any Jan or any twenty forty six, which you know those right. those images are pretty distinct. So uh, they, they were certainly not there, and I, I don't. I haven't checked it off the top of my head. I don't think it is in the tour, but uh, I'm glad that they were able to license it. I, I, it's not, not my, my personal favorite of the ones I've seen, but I think it's pretty essential. So, um, and I think that kind of, you know, if we talk about essential, I, I know this is not called essential. It's the world, but I think that's the bookend. That you know, I think after 2046, you know, things were um, the quality uh, dropped a little bit. So. Real quick, just let's talk about the well. Actually, the the packaging. Uh, it looks like it sleeves, uh, sort of like uh, Fellini, but I mean they're they're foldouts. It looks like a big foldout uh, on sleeve. And the box size, it's always tough to envision these uh, because I thought the Fellini set would be a lot smaller than it was, and it's massive. <laughs> uh, but the box, the it looks pretty pretty awesome. There's a book. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it looks great. It's interesting. The description of it calls it perfect binding. I don't know if they're saying that it's perfect as in like the platonic ideal or if that's just a technical term for a type of binding that I'm not familiar with. But yeah, no, it it looks beautiful. Um, You know, I'm excited to have these movies uh, available all in one collection. This is this is really exciting. I think perfect binding. It's like it's binding with an ego, so so you just <laughs> just add awesome to your job title, and, <laughs> and it's the equivalent, um, and and some good supplements too. So let's uh, dig into those. We we first have a, a program in which uh, Wong a- answers questions submitted by uh, authors Andre Asaman and uh, Jonathan Lethem. Um, also, oh wow, Sylvia Coppola, uh, Ryan Johnson, Lisa Joy, Chloe Zhao, who's a big deal this year, especially. And some cinematographers. Uh, yeah, wow, this is pretty awesome. Um, I don't know how many questions they get, but I would love to see Chloe Zhao uh, ask Wong Kar Wai, you know, some some aesthetics, especially after seeing Nomadland, which I don't know if you've seen that yet, but it's a good one. Um, yeah, no, I haven't seen Nomadland, but yeah, this is that's an exciting one. I'm also I'm always excited about short films that I don't think I've been able to find. Well, yeah, it says that the hand, the hand. That Mm -hmm. version of the short film, this, the version that's here is an extended version available in the U.S. for the first time. So that's exciting. And then I'm not even going to try to pronounce the other. (laughs) The 2000 short film. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right right around the time of In in the Mood for Love. I don't don't know offhand if if that's on the disc or um, because obviously that's two of these have their own spines. Uh, but there is an alternate version of Days of Being Wild, uh, which is good. So that's uh, hold that thought, bookmark that one. <laughs> um, an interview in Cinema Lesson with Wong from the 20, 2001 can. So that, I, that might be have been on In the Mood for Love. Uh, and then three making of documentaries. And then an episode of the TV series Moving Pictures from 96 with uh, Wong and Christopher Doyle. And by the way, I'll say that I think that the quality stopped once Christopher Doyle and Wong Kar Wai stopped. So not giving Doyle too much credit, but uh, but they, they had a great partnership. And uh, there are also some interviews with him and uh, lots more. Yeah. Um, so looks pretty extensive maybe not as extensive as say Fellini or Varda certainly not Varda that has a ton uh, are you satisfied with the um the uh, the th- supplements yeah and I think 
So again, again, I have unmitigated excitement for this. Uh, I already mentioned one of my very slight disappointments because I don't want to be, you know, Pollyanna-ish about this, and that is that Ashes of Time isn't included. Um, and Ashes of Time is included in the tour, and that's what that. So that's why I'm spe- being specific about that. Is I was, you know, a little bit optimistic that that would eventually make it, but I think the second disappointment that I have, and again, this is a slight one, is that the Chungking Express commentary isn't going to be included um so that's obviously a little bit disappointing you know i i, I don't want to start rumors but i did hear that tony reigns and Wong Kar Wai are not buds anymore that something happened oh yeah I, interesting so, so I, I don't want to say that's the reason why um oh i i actually i think it po- might possibly be because it's uh the the version is a little different too and uh so I, i'm really just speculating here i let me see um, I'm just looking at the notes about Chunking Love or Chunking Love, Chunking Express. Uh, well, no, I think I think it was just aspect ratio. So, but but if the film were shortened or um, lengthened, then that would make the commentary not fit. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll have to wonder if anybody's in the know. Let let us know. And if it's because they're um, bad blood, that's uh, that's juicy. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff we, we look love for. conflict we love conflict here on criteria totally. now we yeah, love we to exploit share it. the gossip <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a tabloid criterion show uh so uh, there was a a director's note and I, I forget i think this was in the press materials um so and it it's the basically Wong Kar Wai explaining uh the reason he made some changes to stuff um I won't get into the aspect ratios and sound mixing and some of those technical uh, details. People do get disappointed about those, but personally, I, I don't know how you feel, John. But um, I really think you know if it's the director's vision that that was what he meant to to be exhibited, then I'm fine with what he wants. You know, it's it's his. He's got to sign the the Blu-ray sticker, right? Correct. Um, and the other ones, though. So the big controversy is that he there's a, a feeling that he's pulling a George Lucas with his work um, and kind of doing a little re- revisionist um, a revising so uh, happy together they, he says they lost uh, some footage uh, of of happy together now that's it, not that old of a movie I would think that it's probably obtainable somewhere you, um, we you've seen the restorations that criterion has done I mean I think they get stuff out of garbage cans and put it back together um, so they, they, but he said they failed, and he, I guess we'll take it at, at him at uh, his word. And he also had to shorten Tony Lung's um, monologues. Um, so, so, so there's not, um, so there's a different different version. Uh, there's not the uh, original version. So, d- does that bother you at all? No, because wait, is this the one where he discusses that there was a fire? Mm-hmm. That had destroyed some of yeah dur- during a fire accident uh, as opposed to a fire on purpose. Uh, but during the fire accident in 2019, lost some of the original negative, and they said that they attempted to restore the negative. And I re- was informed by watching a YouTube video, so take that for what it's worth. <laughs> but apparently, like Wong Kar Wai was going back and forth to the Criterion offices quite frequently, and that was part of where this buzz came from, that this would eventually be coming. So it's it sounds like he genu- they genuinely made several attempts to sort of 
recover whatever they could. Um, and it sounds like Happy Together just didn't work out that way, just due to destruction, which I do take him at his word. Like, I, I understand film is, you know, it's a physical medium, and it, we have all heard stories about fire destroying film or the ravages of time or whatever, so... It's this part is I think dis- the most disappointing, but it also feels like it's not within his control. I don't know. I understand maybe there are other ways of going and getting access to some of these sections and continuing to keep them in, but it sounds pretty clear that they made several attempts and it didn't work out. So, yeah, one thing that's clear is he worked on this a lot. You can tell, right? That this was, I think this is probably all what he's been working on all year. I would think, and it makes perfect sense that he went to their offices. Um, I think a lot of the the gripe, and I, I'm not bothered by it. Uh, it'll be my first time seeing Happy Together, so I guess I, you know, I, ideally I would see the the original uh, version. Uh, but the thing is, I th- that exists in some format. It's not in 4K, and I think so. So probably the restoration was not up to Wong Kar Wai's standards, which I would expect just from what, having watched his films are probably pretty high. Uh, and he, he wouldn't want, you know, Happy Together with this gorgeous 4K restoration and then an, another scene um, from another print elsewhere that's not of the same same quality. So I get it. Uh, I'm not bothered by it. Um, I guess I'll, maybe I'll see. But it would have been nice to have the, you know, like a, a, a DVD quality version or something. And, and I think that's also because Criterion typically does multiple versions. Um, and it, that's the case with um, with a lot of box sets as well. And then, of course, um, Ashes of Time. He does have a word on that. Um, uh, and kind of thinks, he said, uh, after the premiere, uh, some audience members observed that the film looked different than what they remembered. Uh, and he said that some of the audience discovered unpirated copies. copies. And um, uh, so, yeah, uh, he decided not to include, I, I don't know if it was his decision, um, but to not include it or, or, or to include it but uh, yeah I'd, I'd like to see it if you know somewhere to get a high quality Ashes of Time let me know well you can stream it right now from film at Lincoln Center I'm actually waiting I'm getting a membership uh, that hasn't been activated yet so when I get that that's how I'm going to see it for the first time oh sweet I'm googling yeah. it right now um, and I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes too you're right five days ago look at that um. You know, Aaron, I'm not a cinematographer and I'm not a restoration artist. So I understand that there are people that are a lot more technically minded than me that really like changes like this get under their skin. But it doesn't sound to me like this is going to be overall the George Lucas treatment. Like I watch Star Wars on Disney Plus and George Lucas's uh, CGI additions jump out at you and mar the experience pretty significantly. I don't think that this is going to be anything like that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just so grateful to have these in the format that we're getting it that I, I suspect I'm not going to notice it. Now, on the flip side, if Persona, you know, Ingmar Bergman's Persona were reissued and they, like, changed the subtitles for the orgy scene back to the original censored version where you really don't get a sense of what's going on, I would flip out. Like, I wouldn't be able to control myself. So I understand where people are coming from. 
But for my eyes, I'm if if somebody didn't tell me that these changes were being made, I probably wouldn't have noticed them. So I'm just really excited to get these, and I'm gonna celebrate them. And you know, I'll come back after I watch them if 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 the reality is different from my impression from the director's note from everything I've been reading online. I will I will update you, but I'm not concerned about any of this. Yeah, I, I it kind of feels like the teal thing, you know. So, wh- there's a, a big hubbub if uh, if we see a, a few screenshots that look teal color color tinted. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to numerous titles, but one that jumps out at me is Mulholland Drive. There was a lot of uh, uh, anger before it even came out about how the how the film looked, and I put it in the player and it looked fantastic. And I'd seen the, the film several times, so um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think I'm going to love this set. I, I think it's going to be one of the treasures of 2021. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some other uh, good things to come. Uh, but on that note, I, I guess we'll let's talk about the rest of March. Uh, I should add uh, that Wonka, World of Wai is coming March 23rd. So um, is that around flash sale time? Might be. Oh, gosh. Why was I thinking that flash sales are typically at the end of February? I don't know. I, I know that there are places online you can see the calendar. Um, yeah. I, I can just go, yeah. go to order history. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, exactly. Uh, World of Wong Kar Wai, so in March. So I guess close to Barnes & Noble, if that's a thing, you know, if you want to wait a couple months. I'm not, I've already pre-ordered it. I, I, I pre-ordered the, the moment I saw the uh, the email. So um, so I, the rest of March is pretty pretty cool, too. Uh, uh, this is a first. Uh, on, on March 9th, we're getting Tookie Bookie. So this is the first film, to my knowledge, that's been split from a WCP box. This was in the first WCP box if I remember yes the first one and um and it's I, I liked this film uh it's kind of Godardian I guess a little bit uh and uh but I, I'm a little surprised that uh that they split this out um kind of wonder if they're going to do this uh, for future titles maybe Taipei Story you know some of the bigger ones uh what are your feelings about uh Tukibuki so a uh, few things here one the essay for Tukibuki is written by Ashley Clark Clark the new curational director and so that's so we're definitely seeing like a a little bit of a change going on already in uh some of the criterion strategies uh uh, potentially for diversity but just overall like ashley clark is already i don't know if his essay was already in the works before he was named curational director but um you know it, it seems like his imprimatur is on this uh blu ray um and I'm excited about this because I'm I am I'm also weirded out a little bit by double dipping, but considering the additional features that are not in the WCP version, like this seems like it's worthy of of uh, uh, getting the Blu-ray as well, even if you already have the WCP set. So, you know, this is all good as far as I'm concerned. If they had just if they had just released it as a breakout, I would not have been as excited. But the fact that they added some additional um, some additional features, I think, makes it more exciting. I'm with you. Yeah, it seems like this is the full the full film treatment. And and yeah, hold that thought on Ashley Clark. We're going to talk about him in, here in a second. Um, I'm of course I, I buy them always, even the clips when they break the, those out, or even if I have the Arrow or something. It's um, that's that's my um, that's my vice, but. Yeah, I think it's a good film. I don't know if I'm going to be clamoring to rewatch it right away. Uh, it, there is some animal violence, which seems pretty typical to, to WCP boxes. But uh, this one, uh, if I remember, it's been a couple years, but uh, was 
particularly jarring. Um, but a good movie, and I, I'd say one of the, uh, you know, of all the WCP titles, uh, I would say it's, you know, one of the top-tier ones. So, And, yeah, I, I do like seeing more African cinema uh, get its own discs, so um, so very happy for that. I, I guess it'll technically have two spines, won't it? Hey, this is Aaron butting in. I'm editing the show right now, and I just wanted to warn you that uh, we're idiots here in this next segment. Uh, no offense, John. Uh, we so just ignore the stuff about the spine number. We uh, forgot that WCP films do have spine numbers, as you were. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of the other uh, instances of you know this sort of double dipping in the collection, the one of the versions doesn't have its own individual spine, but all the WCP releases have their own individual numbering. Yeah, that is interesting. Or do they? I'm just looking at. Wait, I don't have. Yeah, I don't have. My I don't box think they do. I, I think we're good. Oh, okay. The, uh, that would cause some some spreadsheet and shelving issues <laughs> with uh, with a large uh, large portion of our listener base uh, if, if if that was. And, uh, Damn fact, it! We Damn it! Now Michael Hutchins is going to call me out for this. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, gosh. totally. Hey Michael, how you doing? So yeah, Tukibuki, uh, and and I, I like the cover too. Not my favorite of the month, but still still a good cover. Uh, the, the next one might be my favorite cover of the month. Uh, Celine and Julie Go Boating, uh, directed by Jacques Rivette. Uh, a lot of people think he, his films are uh, akin to paint drying, but um, but I, I do dig this one. I, I have the, I think it's a BFI. Um, we kind of knew this was coming. I was first re- reaction, and do you like the cover as much as I do? So this is the only Rivette that I've seen from beginning to, to end. Um, I nonetheless, even though I've already seen it and I wasn't exactly clamoring to rewatch it, this release is stacked. This is, and I think that's common for a lot of the releases that we're going to be discussing on this episode, but this one in particular, first of all, it has an audio commentary, which I'm impressed by because this movie is 193 minutes long. So that is an impressive achievement in commentary, uh, the art form of commentary. Um, but also, it has the Claire Denis documentaries about Rivette, Le Jour, and Le Nuit. So this is, te- you know, also another Claire Denis movie in the collection. So yeah, this is an ex- this is an extremely exciting release for me. Um, I'm I'm doing out one right now, but I'm in the middle of it. So um, just starting my journey with Rivette, but I am definitely excited about this release. Oh, you didn't watch that, uh, binge watch, um, <laughs> out one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to, be- I have the BFI, it's in the other room, and I, I, I wish I had, uh, picked it up, but I think, I'm, I'm pretty certain that, that com- commentary is on that, uh, discs, the 2017 tracks, and I think I watched part of it, uh, just because not the full thing so maybe what i'll do with this because yeah i'm totally buying this is i'll just watch it with the commentary and i think that this film having seen it once you know i i think that might work for it if that makes sense you know it's it's kind of irreverent it's kind of all over the place uh quick funny story i i first watched it right after having surgery um thinking that i knew it was weird and i was thinking that you know the pain meds might (laughs) might enhance the experience (laughs) Other way, <laughs> the, the pain meds were like, "What are you watching? Go watch the room or something." This is not working. Um, so I, I actually bailed on it the first time. That was before uh, we had any Blu-ray, and I, I watched it completely clean and sober. And uh, I, I don't know if I loved it. I love Out One. Uh, I know a lot of people don't, but I I would say I strongly admire it. And, uh, and 
we'll see if uh, if that changes. But yeah, to your point, uh, we we have the the Rivet documentary uh, uh, from uh, Denis. Uh, we have new interviews with uh, Bull Auger and uh, Barbette Schroeder, who of course was um, closely aligned with um, Rivet, and you know he's in the collection in his own right. And uh, we have some other conversations. Uh, archival interviews. Uh, of course, Juliette Berto is a, a big fixture in his work. May she rest in peace. Uh, she's a big deal in uh, Out One as well. Uh, how are you liking Out One so far? I really enjoy it. And I I have this hard time deciphering sometimes whether I enjoy something because I'm watching it or I'm watching it because I'm enjoying it. In other words, I almost have like a Stockholm Syndrome where if I because out one is on the sight and sound list and I've made a commitment to watching all the sight and sound top 250 films. Uh, I wonder if I'm forcing myself to love the movie, but I don't think so. I think it's genuinely captivating. Um, and I find myself really, really engaged in, you know, some of these characters misadventures. I, I, yeah, I'm, I've actually fallen in love with it a bit and, I'm watching other films for different podcasts that I'm preparing for. But each time I go to put a disc in the player, I'm like, maybe I should just put in out one right now. Um, so that's, you know, that shows uh, that I think my, my, my love for this film is authentic. The good thing about that is generally the first episode, you're going to know if you, if you love it or not, uh, because I think that it, it has a tough barrier to entry. The, the, first one but uh, but I, I love it too and the difference I think they're kind of similar as far as pace and and it's a little bit subject and of course Berto but um, but the one thing is Celine and Julie is clearly scripted and intentional whereas out one there's a lot of improvis- improvisation and it's um yeah and and there really was no plot to speak of I you know it's I, there becomes one they kind of improvise their way into one but um but yeah i think at one is a treat i think the second half is better than the first so but yeah Celine and julie go boating uh march 16th and then we get to two uh english language films that um i'm really excited i've actually been been hoping for these uh for a while they've both been near the top of my wish list and they're both coming out march 30th so i'll start with uh, secrets and lies a film by mike lee and and just to back up one thing you know, we're going to talk about Ashley Clark, but one thing we're certainly seeing is a little bit of racial conversations in the collection. And I'm, of course, Mike Lee is is very much a white director, but this seems like the ideal um, racial conversation. So I'm really curious how they um, how they handle this. There is an an essay by Clark in this one as well. So, uh, have you seen Secrets and Lies? I have not. I. I was actually planning on watching Secrets and Lies last night. Instead, I went with a shorter movie, so I watched another movie we're going to be discussing in a little bit. But um, I've never seen a Mike Lee film, so wow. uh, yeah, wow. I still have John, that. I still John. have that entire universe to explore. Wow, I I think it's time to do a, a <laughs> Mike Lee binge. So I'm a massive Mike Lee fan. Um, massive, like I I think uh, yeah I think pretty much start to finish i don't think i've disliked a film of his I, I i could be mistaken he's made a lot of films but um but this is probably my favorite it's between this and naked and um and yeah there's there's a lot of good ones life is sweet i mean there's there's tons of them even mr turner i really like that I, for for biopics which i i tend to sour on so so yeah you're you're in for a treat i'd, I'd wait for the disc um it's it's worth it and it's going to be 
probably better quality than anything you can see. It's 2K. Um, but yeah, the, as you can kind of see from the cover, it is the uh, the story of... Well, I don't want to say too much about it. Yeah, just watch it. It's There, there is a race um, element to it, and, uh, and I can't wait for the essay. Um, so yeah, And it's pretty stacked as well. There's a, a conversation with Lee and the composer, uh, Gary Yershon. And uh, uh, there's a conversation with the actor Marianne Jean-Baptiste, who is a protagonist and a film critic. And then there's a an audio interview. So I mean, maybe not stacked, stacked, but uh, still it's a treat and uh, glad we're getting this. So looking forward to your reaction, John. And the last one, I'm, I'm guessing this is the one you watched last night, Defending Your Life by Albert Brooks. Shout out to Becky Deanna. De- <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen no this isn't the movie that I watched last night I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid but this is one of those movies that HBO played on repeat when I was young so I've seen this movie like I saw this movie several times way before any of this would have made sense to me um, but it's I still remember it being you know quite a delightful film even though like I said I was probably way too young to understand half the humor yeah, yeah, and and also the art sensibility of it. Uh, you know, you weren't quite to, to at one stage by then. Um, not that this is any. I mean, this is really a romantic comedy. Uh, it's it's pretty much a straight straight romantic comedy. It, it might even be the most accessible of Albert Brooks's uh, filmography, which is you know they're they're all interesting, but they're they're pretty much straight, uh, mostly comedy films. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a treasure. It's, it's a, again, my favorite. Uh, I, I love Albert Brooks, and this is my favorite Albert Brooks. Uh, it's a little sweet, little, um, you know, it's kind of the, uh, depending on your life, the, he, it's, it's kind of like a, um, uh, uh, what's the, um, the uh, Palin Pressburg, or A Matter of Life and Death, kind of that, that sort of uh, sentiment. So, um, and, and some plot similarities as well. Um, but yeah, uh, you, you're in for a treat. Good movie, and uh, yeah, Becky's uh, thrilled about that. She's been looking for this for um, for years, and she's a huge Albert Brooks fan. We'll have to get her on to talk about it. But um, but yeah, it's a 4K restoration. Uh, new conversation with Brooks and Robert Weed or Veed. I don't know him. W e i d e. I feel feel like I should. Um, new interview on the afterlife with theologian and critic Donna Bowman. That's that's pretty cool. Um, so obviously afterlife does play a part um, and uh rip torn lee grant uh and brooks interviews so um i always love hearing rip torn um classic <laughs> classic drunk but great actor um, i was just thinking it was actually strangely the first thing that popped into my head when i was when i was thinking about defending your life i was like oh great more rip torn <laughs> <laughs> and also an, why. an essay by ari aster so uh <laughs> uh if i his perspective seems interesting. Um, I don't think this inspired Midsummer, but I could be wrong. <laughs> well, Ari Aster is a New Yorker, so I feel like the the people that hang out at New York Film Festival, <laughs> like <laughs> because of the proximity to the Criterion headquarters, they just end up in more Criterion stuff. It's I feel like it's very much you know. And again, we'll be talking about Ashley Clark later, but he was over at BAM and. It's, it feels like it's very much a New York film-loving community. I think there's like an influence that happens on a lot of the Criterion releases. Yeah, and he's been in the Criterion closet, I believe. And we might as well, we're, we're done with a month, so might as well mention Ashley, because Ashley did figure prominently in this month's uh, lineup. So um, so as you as you noted, he was with BAM. Actually, I think he still is with BAM. 
And uh, no, I think when he released his, I think when he mentioned on Twitter that he was joining Criterion Collection as um as a curator, he said that he was also going to be departing from BAM oh, as okay. a part of that move. I misread that. I I, I know that he's still going to do some things, but um, but yeah, I, this is a huge get and. And, you know, I don't want to say it's a reaction to um, to the New York Times uh, because I I think it's um, maybe maybe there's some some correlation there. But I think ultimately they realize they have a blind spot and and, you know, their criterion, I believe, is a predominantly white staff. I don't I haven't seen their Christmas pictures, but uh, but it would be I, mean, I think I think this kind of perspective is very valuable in a avoiding that blind spot and also you know bringing up race in films that aren't um by people of color like as as the mike lee film i I just mentioned so so yeah i I expect he he already um curated the um afro futurism uh thing uh curation (laughs) group bundle and um on the channel that uh, i believe is i believe it's just started recently and I'm, i'm sure there'll be more of that on the channel and um on discs so i think it's a huge addition uh what do you think yeah i mean i didn't the i i didn't go to i'm, I'm in manhattan i'm not in I, and i don't i just haven't while i've been here uh and i work in manhattan so i haven't been i've been living here since the beginning of 2019 i have not spent enough time at like the nighthawk bam any of the any of the great theaters that we have in the boroughs and so I don't know much of his work or much about him up until this announcement, which I think was fairly recent. So I don't know much about him specifically, but obviously this is all good news. Continuing to, you know, Criterion is continuing to focus on and expand their understanding of the canon. They got in the unfortunate place. I think they would prefer that they weren't in this place, that they are seen as like uh, cultivators and definers of the canon. Um and so, but since they're in this place, the idea of bringing in more diverse voices, obviously, I think it's obvious. Becker and a lot of the people that work there have their hearts and minds in the right place. But um, it's always better to have, uh, you know, uh, people outside of necessarily their inner circle, which isn't to say Ashley Clark really is like totally outside their inner circle. Like I said, he is still a New York City film guy so that's sort of very much in um in the you know in the tradition of what we see at the criterion collection so i just see this as like a positive as a plus and you know um already some of the stuff that we're seeing seems like seems like uh it seems like he's a great addition so and i'm all for it i am too and, and there's already been a relationship so he, he wrote a, a book on bamboozled which i, I love bamboozled uh, but he also wrote an essay, which I, I'm probably going to read just immediately after this podcast, called um, Bamboozled, New Millennium, Same Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so absolutely right. And uh, this was in March, so I, I, I can't remember. Yeah, Obviously, there was police violence, and, and the, the conversation was beginning. I, I don't remember the, the date when George Floyd happened. Uh, but he also wrote about he wrote the essay for To Sleep With Anger. Uh, he wrote about uh, Black Girl. And he wrote a little thing on naked. So speaking of Mike Lee, so he's uh, he's certainly familiar with with uh, Mike Lee. So yeah, I I, th- I see this as totally positive, you know, regardless of all that. And and to your point about Becker, you know, he's used the phrase active curation, and and you can see there've been um, they've been trying trying to work in more international cinema from different parts of the globe. 
uh, different perspectives from you know sexuality, gender. So, and, and I think we've we've seen success with with both with all of those actually. Um, could see more Asian film, or more Ch- Chinese film, um, or different parts of Asia as well. There's a ton about from Japan, um, although I guess Wong Kar Wai is uh, yeah he he's a fixture there, but. But yeah, anyway, that I think it's a good thing. So we'll see uh, what comes out of this. All right, well, we are in December, so uh, we just recently had uh, releases of Crash, Mouchette, Symbiopsychotaxoplasm. Oh, I was trying to get that out without stuttering. Symbiopsychotaxoplasm. Symbiopsychotaxoplasm. There I go. <laughs> and Amorous Paris. Uh, and, and then still Fellini, even though it's been, what, a month or two? I think we're all still consuming Fellini. I'm uh, maybe a third of the way through. I just finished uh, La Strada Rewatch, which is, oh, it's great. Um, um, Giuliani uh, Messina, is that right? Um, Giulietta Messina is just a delight. Uh, have, have you um, dived into the uh, Fellini box? So we're going to, I'm going to talk about Crash for my uh, short take, but Crash and Fellini ha- both share in my like film history early experiences that have remained unconsummated. So what I mean by that is I watched one of my first like foreign films that I watched intentionally. I went to a DVD rental place in, uh, in Brookline, Massachusetts when those still existed. And I was like, Hey, I want to watch some art house films. I, and so the guy recommended David Lynch. Then he recommended Ingmar Bergman. And then it was Fellini and the Fellini that I watched was Satyricon. And I made it about 12 minutes, I think into it and said, this is unwatchable. And so I am thrilled. My fiance got me the Fellini box set and I'm going to rewatch or I guess fully watch for the first time Satyricon. Um, maybe I love, I'm excited I, I love Satyricon. I think that's one of his masterpieces. Uh, I, uh, I don't know if it's the, the best essay in the world, but I, I wrote a, I, I really did uh, kind of take to it and d- dug, in, dug in quite a bit and wrote a big blog about it a few years back when it was released. Um, yeah, no, I, I love late Fellini, early Fellini, and then I, I think his peak is mid-tier or middle Fellini, which is, you know, La Strada, Eight and a Half, La Dolce Vita, um, uh, and then, of course, Knights of Kiberia. I think the, those four really are the, the special ones, and that's where I'm uh, about. I'm going sequential. So I'm next is uh, Il Badone, which I think I've seen. I can't remember, <laughs> which is sad because if I saw it, it's in, in, within the last couple of years. But um, but I'm going to watch it. Um, haven't seen Crash. So where I, but just from what I understand uh, from hearing other people thought, talk, when you tried to combine Fellini and Crash. I figure it must have been like you, you fucked a car at a circus or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I did. I, I paired Crash. With, well, I paired Crash with a lot of things, but I paired Crash with uh, Boonwell. And so it was sort of like having sex with a car that was shaped as a rhinoceros. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, more more to come on Boonwell. Um, uh, I, yeah, my my crash is in limbo. I, it was shipped a, a month ago, so I uh, the post office not so good this year. But uh, but I, I'm sure they're busy and COVID and all that. Uh, yeah, Mouchette, I, I I love Mouchette. I love Brasson. Um, I watched Symbiopsychotaxoplasm, uh, both of them, and the and the features today, or over the last couple of days. And 
really a special experience. The first one, the, the second one, not so much. Uh, it seemed like they were just trying to commit, uh, you know, well, they used some, some of the original footage that uh, didn't make the, the first film's cut, and then they, um, they kind of riffed from there. It's, it's worth watching, but it's not the same thing. And then Ambrose Peros, have you seen that? I have not. Symbiopsychotaxoplasm takes place down the street from where I live. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I One of the scenes where where the two characters in the film within the film are talking on a bridge takes place feet away from where I eat my contraband donuts when my fiancé isn't looking. <laughs> so this movie is so exciting for me to watch during the winter. I still spend a lot of time in Central Park because, hey, pandemic, there isn't much place else to go. But um, uh, it, yeah, it brings back fond memories to hanging out there with my fiance this uh, this summer. So I definitely am on board with the first part, take one. I haven't seen the the second part yet. There's a, there's more Central Park, of course. <laughs> so you might like it a little more than than I did. You know, I, I think it's a great experiment, and I I think it's really really a special special film. I highly recommend it. Um, so I'm glad we have it. Emrose Paris is okay. I, I did watch that over um, over the holidays, and uh, actually, I actually I liked it less than when I saw it the first time, which was um, you know when it came out uh, or shortly after. It's very Tarantino esque. You could you could see that that influence with the uh, different stories uh, and kind of there a lot of those '90s indies did those different stories, and I think it built on that. Um, and then you know we saw more like uh, um, sort of the nonlinear editing as well. Um, or non-linear narrative. Uh, but anyway, we have uh, good stuff coming soon. So uh, speaking of Benwell, we have a box set. Uh, we also have Minding the Gap around the corner and uh, did the Dylan's Rolling Thunder review. But uh, do you want to, you hinted at having some comments about Benwell. Yeah. I'd <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was on Criterion Now where uh, when this was announced, Blakesley and Barrett, Wait, is that the is the, or am I thinking of a different podcast? I know I've heard Blakesley and Trevor talk about um, this set and sort of say that they didn't love it as much as some of the other. And I think particularly Phantom of Liberty, they didn't love. I love these oh, wow. three movies. Yeah, and Phantom of Liberty is, and this is my first time watching it recently, is just stellar. I think it's you know it might be in my top two or three Boonwell. Uh, it's hilarious. And, no, well, oh, with it's. You. It's great, and I'm reading about I'm reading about post-war uh, uh, intellectual thought in Europe, um, post-World War II intellectual thought in Europe in a book, and so you know, sort of seeing Boonwell wrestling with some of the contradictions of capitalism and contradictions of communism, uh, the way that I know people were during that period, uh, is also really exciting. But yeah, just fundamentally, it's a super fun movie. Um, totally random and weird and uh, kind of brilliant. So um, I'm I have the Studio Canal set, and I am as I mentioned during the pee break. I'm engaged. And I'm starting to think a little bit differently about how I can how much money I spend on physical media. I may not double dip on this, um, but these three movies are definitely a delight. So uh, it's good to own them in some form. Well, you know what uh, I. I can. I'm bad at remembering episodes, but I do remember that discussion with David and Trevor. And actually, I, but I think I think they liked Phantom of Liberty. I think it was oh, the okay. ones they didn't like. Um, I think that's hard not to like. It's it's basically been well uh, meets Monty Python or interprets Monty Python. Um, you know, it's still not anywhere near as silly as Monty Python, but it's pretty fucking silly. Um, 
I, I think it's a treat. I, I can't wait for the set. Uh, I, I haven't seen a lot of those in, in the, the box set. I, I can't remember offhand which ones. I think I've seen probably two or three of the, what, five or six films. So Mining the Gap is a masterpiece. Uh, I can't wait to rewatch that. And uh, and, and I, I tend to like there to be a little period of time between when I watch a film and then revisit. Kind of like, so if I if I really like a film like The Irishman and I watch it within a year, that's that's a big deal to me. Um, like the Elephant Man, I have not rewatched that because I just watched it on the channel like six months ago. But I'll get to it. It's a good one. Um, have you seen uh, Mining the Gap or uh, Rolling Thunder review? No, I'm more excited about Mining the Gap. Probably Aaron because I've listened to you talk so positively about it so many times. Uh, also, it's pretty cool. Again, just the several stack discs we're discussing on this uh podcast the director commentary is pretty exciting um i'm not a bob dylan fan and i'm not in a rush to watch rolling thunder review yeah you won't like it yeah (laughs) you won't like it i didn't I, i am a bob dylan fan and i didn't like it um spoiler alert mining the gap it's gonna make you cry dude (laughs) <laughs> just, just saying that since we're being mushy <laughs> so i realized i hadn't cried in a movie in a long time but w- w- my um piece of flair made me cry a bit so i'm looking forward to discussing some i feel like you know i feel like kevin smith over here talking about crying during movies but it's real talk man uh it had been a while I think I don't know if it's the if it was just that I was watching so much Giallo and those aren't necessarily tearjerkers, but <laughs> no, certainly yeah, not. I'm looking forward to watching Minding the Gap for sure. Um, yeah, I am actually texting my wife, so I never cry at movies, never ever. This one got me close, very close. I didn't cry in this one, um, but there was one recently. It was like the first movie I cried in in years. Um, so I just texted my wife. I got to know what it is. It's not that I. You know, I, I, obviously I get emotional and you know am affected by it. I just yeah, the the, the tear ducts don't just don't don't function that way. I'm a, I'm stone cold hard ass. <laughs> no, but mining the gap got me. We'll say misty, misty eyed. Um, but there was another movie recently that just it just the fact that I I forget it. Maybe I blocked it out because I didn't want to cry. So anyway, let's talk about. You know what's coming next for Criterion, or what we think is coming next. Now we're at a um, a weird. <laughs> My oh, Aaron, we gotta we gotta we gotta mention the Ascent though, because the Ascent is another example of a double dip. They're pulling it out of the Eclipse yeah. set, but yeah. it is also an example where their Blu-ray release, beyond the fact that it, it's going to be you know upgraded to Blu-ray, it's also a fairly stacked disc as well. So, you know. This is uh so far that if this is going to be part of what what Criterion does is take repackage uh, movies that are already in the collection in some form, um, it seems like this is the right way to do it. What is your what is your take on the Ascent? I love the Ascent. I think it's gorgeous and um and yeah I, I think it's towards the end of the month, so I didn't put it in the uh, the coming soon because we oh, might okay. be recording close to that time. But yeah, that's that, that's gonna go right in the player. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw it, but uh, I will say that my wife, I, I texted her asking her what uh, movie I cried in, and she said Tenet. So <laughs> 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 she's being a little, little smartass. She can't remember. Um, uh, I'll get back. We'll, I'll put it in the uh, the, the Facebook uh, comments. So Great. so okay, we we have some things coming in 2021, and I think some things we have an idea about. The weird thing is, so we're. Again, it's December 27th. We're about to embark on a new year. Say goodbye to 2020. Um, 
yeah, good riddance 2020. Let's hope for a better 2021. Um, the sad thing is, you know, we, we lost Jason Poland. Actually, I think it was before the pandemic, uh, unrelated. Um, and he's become such a special part of our lives, you know, you know us Criterion geeks, that we, um, I, I love poring over his drawings. And as you referenced earlier, we had the one Car Y and the, really the four box sets last year, which have all come out. Um, so I, I, I don't think that they're going to do a Jason Poland. Or it's, you, you can't. It, there's no such thing as a Jason Pullen type of thing. I have a feeling that they're going to like retire that. That's just my thought, and there won't be uh, like you know any sort of puzzle. But may but they do like to tease things. So I don't know. Do you think there's any chance that they'll, in the coming days, they'll uh, you know do something? Maybe even just announce titles that are coming. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent convinced they'll retire the art, the drawing version of the year-end or new year teaser um but i wouldn't be surprised if they had some other form of teaser maybe stills um uh, like a twitter feed of stills or something like that uh, i wouldn't be surprised but we'll see we'll see um it is definitely you know sad and you've commented on this several times this year uh jason poland's passing and uh yeah we somehow the year has ended and we're here and it's gonna you know it's a whole new day so we'll see what criterion does yeah no we'll see hopefully something i i again not jason polonish or not even art related i think um but yeah we we miss it every month no newsletters well there are newsletters but no drawings so yeah that that is gonna be tough but we'll um we'll live uh, we'll, we'll persevere so we, there are some a lot of rumors of titles that just kind of came out in the last month. So, um, so I, I imagine if there were, if, if Jason Poland, you know, if God willing, he would have lived, uh, he these probably some of these would have been included. Uh, one obvious one is Mirror. Uh, so, Janice uh, has it's on Janice's website. It's um, it's going to come out I think in twenty twenty one. That's Tarkovsky's Mirror. Uh, great great movie. Uh, a lot of people are looking for that one. So I think that'll be a big big seller for them. And Asayas uh, is a demon lover, which is, I think that's from the early 2000s, and it's one I haven't seen. I've been waiting for the right moment, so it's apparently going to come soon. And um, and yeah, it's also going to play Lincoln Center. I don't know if it'll be virtually or what, but uh, yeah, a- any thoughts on those two? Well, Mirror is one of my favorite Tarkovsky films. I'm not sure if it's Mirror or Andrei Rublev, um, but those are definitely... Those are Mirror could absolutely. If I was ever given a sight and sound top ten vote list, Mirror absolutely would be eligible for that list. So uh, mm. we have the poster up in my apartment. My fiance, who doesn't care about these sorts of things, knows about Mirror because I've talked about it so much. Obviously, I'm excited for seeing seeing that in physical media, seeing it in film at Lincoln Center. If I ever get to go back there, et cetera, et cetera. So that's obviously exciting. I think I own a copy of Demon Lover, and I've never seen it. Um, I don't have anything, and I don't even really know anything about it. So yeah, I, you know, we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that goes. But Mirror is obviously it's been rumored forever, and would be a tremendous uh, addition to the physical collection. Yeah, shout out to uh, Marcia, Martha, Marcia Birch, who, who's been um, every every poll every month, those prediction polls. She has been like mirror. It's got to happen. I think for you know a couple of years now. So yeah, she she was very very happy. I respect uh, we, that, Marsha. Yep. Um, big ups. We have a uh, Mississippi Masala, which is uh, Mirror Nair. 
and uh, I I do like Marinere. I don't love Marinere, but I haven't seen this movie. Uh, so that's a, a Indian. I I, can't, I don't know if she's American Indian, and by that I don't mean I mean American immigrant from the country of Im- India, not a Native American, or if she's second generation or or I think she's second generation. But um, have have you seen Mississippi Massala? No, and I haven't seen Monsoon Wedding either, and that's another movie that I own and just haven't gotten around to watching, which is a fairly significant portion of the movies I own. Um, I have to tell you, the movie I'm really excited about, I think, on this list besides Mirror, is The Passionate Thief, just because I love Anna Magnani so much, uh, and I hadn't even heard of The Passionate Thief before, so that's kind of an exciting development, and I'm curious where that came from because I couldn't find anything online. So I, I actually removed that from the list. Uh, because, <laughs> so well, it's the uh, it's it's possible. Um, it's it's a Rialto screening, and sometimes those have come to Criterion. Sometimes not, though. And I think there have been moments on the show where I've uh, taken a Rialto screen. I, I think um, Monsieur Klein is one. Uh, you know, maybe coming to Criterion. I think there have been some other hints, but um, but I think it's probably going to be a while. Uh, but yeah, that, that I think it was Stephen posted it in the group uh, about that. Um, another one uh, that I should be excited for uh, is Marcel uh, Pagnol's Topes. Uh, apparently his grandson told somebody that it's coming out. Now there's a 1936 version, which is right at about the time of the Marseille trilogy. And there's also a uh, 1951 version. I put 1051. That would be really impressive if it were uh, uh, Battle of Hastings and uh, Topaz. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you've seen Marseille or anything. Of course, you know I, I love French cinema, so I would love to see the 30s version. Uh, although the I saw the um, the 50s version has Ferdinand, so he's been in some of my favorite films as well. Uh, been in a lot of films. Um, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I saw the first... Uh film from the Marseille trilogy. I don't remember if that's Fanny or... But I, I saw the first one in the movie theater when that was touring. It was me and one other person in like the biggest theater at that at that theater. So I don't know how well that did, but um, I haven't gone back. I own the trilogy. I haven't gone back to watch the other two. Um, I was also curious which of his versions of Topaz would get released, if it does get released, or if they would do like a double a double release. Um, I'm super curious about this, but don't have any insight whatsoever. Hmm. Yeah, me neither. So, and then uh, we have two more that are both Janice releases. I, I'm tr- trying to look for what movie made me cry. It, it might have been Agnes Varda. That would make sense. Um, Ikari XB1, which is a Czech film. Uh, have you seen it? No, and this is, this is, I think, the one that really jumped out of the 2017 announcement with the National Film Archive and Janus that everybody was saying like, oh, well, this is going to get a release and yet it still has taken a while to to happen. So I think I've been expecting this to get released really since the announcement was made. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm planning on watching it as soon as it's available on the channel or available on um, uh, physical media. I have, but I so I haven't gone out and watched it. Um, sort of waiting for that to happen. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's um, and I we probably talked about it twenty times on the show, so I won't belabor too much. Um, but yeah, it's it is going to happen. It, there is a, a Janice page for it, so I would expect maybe maybe spring summer. It would be my guess. Uh, it's great. It's uh, like so ahead of its time for sci-fi. Uh, 
and, and especially for for Czech, you know, in the Czech New Wave, it's very unique even for the the Czech New Wave. Uh, but uh, yeah, everybody's in for a treat with that one. Um, I, I actually have an old, uh, I think it's a second sight or second run um, DVD only version, no no Blu-ray. And the, the last one is maybe the one I'm most excited for, except for the ones I've seen. Ikari and Mirror are great. Uh, it's uh, Hu Xiaoxin's uh, Flowers of Shanghai. So that one is from late 90s, I think I want to say 98-99. Um, and it's widely regarded as one of his best. And uh, he's um, I haven't seen a lot from him just because there's there's not been too much available. So I'm, I think this would be his first in the, in the collection. But yeah, it's it's already on um, on Janus, and it already has a trailer. And I I, I didn't want to get you know I, I wanted to go in a little blind, so I just watched a little bit of the trailer, and it looked gorgeous. I mean, just mind-boggling gorgeous. So uh, what what do you think? Have you seen much H H H as I've called him before? <laughs> yeah, no. So I've only seen two Hu Shaoshen. Uh, I've I saw the Assassin first, which was I found to be okay. I wasn't in love with, but then I saw Flowers of Shanghai, and that's a totally different. That's a totally different level. This is this film is absolutely gorgeous. I. Because of the fact, as I mentioned earlier, I am a sight and sound list watcher. And so I really, it would be really nice if A City of Sadness or The Puppet Master also came out. I know that I can see A City of Sadness on YouTube um, with actual subtitles, but I can't, you can't even get that for Puppet Master. And I don't, I don't go to some of those illicit websites to watch films, so I don't have a way of seeing those. I'm hoping that this is like a signal that more Hu Shen will enter the collection. But ultimately, like in terms of what we're getting, you know, more Tony Leung, oh, who can't be happy. And this is, this is, yes, this is a beautiful film. And I think people are really going to love it. Can't wait. Um, yeah, actually, I've, I've heard Flowers of Shanghai mentioned with those other two films as among his best works. Uh, so, yeah, very excited. Um, and yes, Sight and Sound is. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm towards the end of that list. But uh, you know, Eustache, it's gonna. I don't know if that'll ever happen. Uh, and I'm good. Good on you for not going to bad websites. I'm not either. Um, I think in time, we'll we'll have uh, all of them available at some time. We got Sight and Tango now, so haven't seen that yet. Kind of dreading it. So. Oh no um, no! You did nothing to dread. That's something to celebrate. I watched that. I've watched that in the movie theater one wow. night. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, it's uh, I, I ordered the uh, the special edition from uh, Arbolos, so that, that should be. I'm actually I don't know the release date, but it, it'll be, be coming soon. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm ex- I'm excited. I've seen Satan Tango twice. I saw it on Facets uh, DVD, which actually was a really terrific experience. Um, and then I saw it in the movie theater at Lincoln Center. But when I saw that there was a special edition, I got tricked. I got sucked in. Those special <laughs> editions, some the limited edition stuff, oh, still sure. works on me because apparently I'm uh, my reptile brain is not very sophisticated. <laughs> and I have not not seen Histoire du Cinema, and I think you've scared me from that one for a little while. That might be the last one I watch. <laughs> so, so that's that's it. Uh, we have our short takes. Uh, so, people that remember, we uh, always just highlight one criterion per show. So, John, what do you have? So I want to talk about the new release, Crash, by David Cronenberg. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to say about this movie. Uh, I would definitely recommend anybody who really loves this to go check out Daisuke Beppu's uh, video that he has on his YouTube channel. Um, 
I think the main, th- I think there, I have a lot to say, but I want to keep this short. So I think the first thing I want to say is my personal experience, my personal history with this film is kind of funny. I heard about this film in the late nineties, but didn't know the title. And the, per- the person who told me about it was, it was a very strange person to hear about this movie from. I played football with a guy who'd then go on to play at a D1 college for four years and like everybody expected to join the NFL and was just like a top jock um, my year in high school. And he and I never talked about like art or films or anything like that. The only, And I still remember the classroom that I was in when he told me the plot of Crash. And he didn't know what the title of the film was because I think it was like a midnight showing on some channel, like maybe it was on HBO or something like that. And so he didn't know what the title was. And I remember hearing about him being like, first, I thought he was lying. I didn't think it was a real film. And then I was like, uh, I, I can't believe I haven't heard of this until finally listening to him describe it. I was like totally creeped out to the point where I have never forgotten the conversation. So fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like 20 years later, I it's get not into Cronen. Friend move <laughs> to just tell you the was, plot of a film. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, oh, to be fair to him, this is this is not a movie <laughs> where the description of the plot really spoils very much. Um, but yeah, so when I finally found out what this movie's title was and what it was, and you know, the J.G. Ballard book and all that wasn't for like another 20 years. And I have wow. been scared of this film even before I knew what it was. And then when I realized who Cronenberg was and started getting into his filmography, I became like, I think even more scared. So when I finally put in my disc and full disclosure, even though this is short takes, I put in my 4k arrow disc. Um, I was totally blown away. And, uh, honestly, my initial emotional reaction was not positive. I was, uh, I mean, watching this film, it's very confrontational, um, and I think that's intentional. I think Cronenberg was going for that, and it really was just like, it was like an ice pick to the groin. It was, uh, I was just not prepared, and all of my fears sort of felt like they were coming true, primarily because the plot of the movie is, there's a subculture of people that are aroused uh, sexually by car crashes, and there's lots of vignettes and lots of uh, uh, depictions of lovemaking, and not love. There's a lot of depictions of sex in the film, um, but I have a really hard time with uh, self harm, and so the idea of people putting themselves and putting others at risk of danger or at risk of maiming um, intentionally always has always makes it like uh, makes my skin crawl. And so that film is just it basically this is what the entire movie is. Um, but after I've had some time to sit with it, I think this is, you know, this isn't my favorite Cronenberg, but this might very well be his best. It feels like it's distilled many of the Cronenberg isms um, into a film and sort of stripped away a lot of the plot devices and universe building. And I just absolutely love this movie. I'm rewatching it already um, with the commentary. Uh, a major reason to get the Criterion disc over or in addition to the Arrow disc is um, the Cronenberg commentary, which I hear is one of the better commentaries. So, yeah, um, this isn't a movie I'm going to recommend to my friends anytime soon. But if you're down with what it has and if you're... 
um, you know, if this movie is for you, uh, the way that it is for me, like this movie is very much for me. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of this already. And Cronenberg is just like a genius. So yeah, that's my short take on crash. He is a genius. And what I, I forget the wording you used, uh, ice pick to the groin. My ice pick to the groin is I also ordered the arrow and that's the one that is, um, in post postal hell right now and in fact mm. all i know is that it's in america uh, and it transferred from the uk shipment you know when it arrived in america um to usps uh 10 days ago and no it hasn't showed up it's, it's showing pre-shipment so it's in probably in some customs warehouse somewhere um uh, yeah so one day i regretting not buying the um the criterion immediately but um but i will and i will watch that commentary for sure so I, yeah from what i heard of cronenberg and i've seen most of his work this is a pretty big omission but this seems like the dividing line between like his body horror art phase and i, I know that he kind of had an evolution there into the maybe the little more accessible kind of spider is a little still a little weird but um but kind of in that direction so and now i wouldn't say he makes mainstream films but they're they're certainly not like Crash or Naked Lunch or The Brood or any of those. So I'm um, looking forward to it. I think we'll have a, be having a lot of uh, discussions of Crash here in, uh, in January. Um, mine is actually uh, special to me. So uh, one thing I do is I have my favorite filmmakers, and I tend to not watch. I don't want to want to complete their major works. So um, so I've seen a lot of Kurosawa, not everything. But I've seen pretty much the the big ones, the ones that you know, yeah, the big ones: Yojimbo, Seven Samurai, Rashman, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Throne of Blood, all those. Um, so, but I, I had not seen High and Low, and and that's the one Criterion I had in, in its uh, in, in shrink wrap still, and was just kind of waiting for a special day. And I, I probably owned it for probably five years now, and I decided that on Christmas Day, you know, we're here in quarantine. I was going to have a Kurosawa Christmas, so I put on high and low, expect high expectations. I mean, I think this is regarded among you know the the titans I, I mentioned. Only it's not a samurai film, uh, although he has, you know he he's shown that he's really good with uh, with those. A stray dog is a great like noir kind of film, and um, and I, that's actually what I was kind of hoping or expecting from high and low, just because I knew it was more of a poli- procedural police, um, and it's not quite noirish. In fact. I'd say it's not noirish at all. It's actually very procedural, more procedural than I would expect. Like one movie that I that comes to mind is Memories of Murder. Uh, it's kind of like that, except, it, it, but it, with Kurosawa's visual, um, you know, it's very meticulous, very very carefully uh, orchestrated, uh, and and you know, learning about how they filmed it with the the features, you know, it's amazing what they did with the sets. Uh, they you know they have this large location up on a mountaintop and um you know the performances were a set um really a fantastic movie not what i expected i'll say that toshiro mifuni mifuni i mean like you you think that he would not you know he, he's to the point where he couldn't surprise you by uh, an amazing performance but he really rocked it as the uh, protagonist in this um and it and it, it showed a little different edge than uh, mifuni maybe because this was not a, a samurai film Although he's you know, he's done plenty of those as well, so yeah, high and low. It's a good Kurosawa. Who'd have known? Yeah. Are you on the same page with me? Yeah, this is one of the Kurosawas that I 
um i don't know if i'm saving it but i just uh haven't watched yet and my sense of it is the same as yours this and i think the bad sleep well are like sort of his two films that i haven't seen yet that i think receive a lot of love and and also you know are not samurai films so i am particularly excited to see this as well and i'm glad that you got to uh got to enjoy that for christmas i did and uh, i have seen the bad sleep well and it's okay if i remember yeah okay just okay uh, yeah, I just looked at my letterbox. Three, three stars out of five. Ooh, so not not wow. my favorite, uh, Kurosawa. So, uh, but yeah, but three stars is pretty good. I think you know if you. So I uh, high and low was was four stars. Um, so uh, although American Utopia was five, so there you go. Um, so that's all right. That's it for the Criterion portion. Um, we always do piece of flair, and uh, during our pre-break, I think, at least on my point, I, I shouted out about ten pieces of flair, but I have one more. Uh, <laughs> but w- this is just anything non-criterion that we've enjoyed over the last uh, month or so. So, what do you have? Yeah, I just watched another round by uh, uh, directed by the Dane Thomas Vinterberg. Um, people that are big Lars von Trier fans know Vinterberg was Dog Me '95. Mm-hmm. Um, Festin, yeah, Festin, which is I saw the play Festin. I still haven't seen the movie, and I haven't been able to get a hold of it. Um, but yeah, that's certainly where I know him from. And this movie stars Mads Mikkelsen. And because of what I've known about other Vinterberg films, I was expecting something a lot darker than what I got. Um, and actually, I feel like this does like a really good balance. Concept of the movie is easy enough. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen has a bunch of male friends. They're all of a certain age, and they teach at a Danish school. Um, Many of them, their lives are in a bit of a rut, and they decide to do an experiment where they will maintain a 0.5% blood alcohol level while working. Now, of course, (laughs) this is particularly, like, sketchy because they are working at a school. But also, as somebody who attended school, I'm pretty (laughs) certain that several of my teachers were alcoholics. Um, I think there's something about being like trapped in your hometown and watching your, you know, people get younger and younger or stay the same age and you just get older and older that really brings out the existential uh, dread of, of adult males, but whatever. Um, however, that works out. This movie, unfortunately, was impacted by real life tragedy because Vinterberg's daughter. Who like much of the parts of this movie and parts about the heavy drinking and stuff come from stories she would tell her dad about uh, her high school experience. Her daughter died in a car accident um, during the making of this film. And so Vinterberg was like a total mess. And what ends up happening is what I would assume the logical thing that would happen is this movie would be darker because he would be in a darker place. But what people have said is that Mads Mikkelsen and the rest of the cast and crew decided, hey, let's keep this set really light. Let's keep this like a life-affirming thing to help him through it. And so the tone of the movie actually shifted a little bit and became a lot more life-affirming, which I think is perfect. You know, this isn't a Danish leaving Las Vegas, and I think we're all luckier for that. Um, It's still very moving, you know, it still is talking about serious topics like alcoholism. It is Vinterberg, so, you know, there certainly is a lot of the Euro allegory about, you know, uh, uh, politics um, uh, 
and all of that but fundamentally i just found it to be like a really moving film and like i said by the end of it um i certainly was moved to tears um and while i know like i'm very much the target target uh demographic like it's a philosophical movie about drinking with people that are all around the age of 40 like this is very much you know hits me close to home um yeah i just it totally worked on me and um, I, I, this has been a movie I've been recommending to all my friends. High praise. I, I can't wait. And I, 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 I have not seen Festin either because it's tough to get, but I, I know of its reputation in the dogma and I've seen other films of his. In fact, uh, the hunt, it was a, definitely a different type of film from what you just described, uh, but also Mickelson in the lead, very strong lead performance and uh, more of a thriller, but I, I'd recommend that. I just saw this is for rent. So I think I'm going to try to check it out. Um, you sold me. Um, yeah, sounds good. Oh, and I, I got to go. <laughs> uh, so my, well, mine is going to be a different sort of life-affirming, is uh, Shop Around the Corner. Uh, Ernst Lubitsch, I think a lot of us hoped that this might be uh, a Criterion title someday. And I think even, I, I still hope, that, I still wish that, I actually. Uh, maybe I need to watch Wonder Woman again. That wish will come true. Inside joke if you've seen Wonder Woman 84. Um so the, it, this was a Kino release, I, I believe, and uh, it came out this the week prior to Christmas. So, um, you know, it's it's tough to find Christmas movies you haven't seen all the time. I'm sure you can make the argument about Die Hard, and, um, and of course, It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas Story, you know, it's nonstop. Um, I, I thought this might be a good one to um, to try with the wife to see if she liked it. I, I'd seen it before, and I, I, I love it. It's a great film. And uh, she liked it too. She did say it was very 40s, and I was like, "Well, yeah, 1940, and, and uh, a little dated." But ironically, it's not as dated as the sequel, which is about AOL, um, which you got actually. I think I made that joke on, on your post. But shop around the corner. Uh, I, I think I could watch uh, Margaret Sullivan and uh, and J- Jimmy Stewart all day. Uh, they're just a perfect couple, perfect chemistry or couple, perfect chemistry. And then, of course, the Lubitsch touch. You know, it's. It's really kind of a far-fetched uh, and and kind of ordinary story, you know, not even predictable to to an extent. But yeah, he just has that. It's indescribable, and I think that's why they just kind of you know, summarize it as a touch. The the softness of the of those scenes and um, and really really special. Special. And it's not really too Christmassy. It just so happens that they're working in a shop and they're selling a lot during Christmas. So that's. You know, it's as much Christmas a Christmas film as Die Hard, in my opinion, but a, a great one. So, and, and then now you can watch You Got Mail. <laughs> yeah, my my You Got Mail, which actually was a Blu-ray gift for my fiance, uh, came with the Shop Around the Corner DVD. So we now have both. And uh, actually, the You've Got Mail Blu-ray is I've made the joke but it is fairly a stacked blu-ray so for any of you out there <laughs> that is? love that movie the way my fiance does and i have to admit i really like that movie as well um you know the the blu-ray is uh is a must own yeah it's it's no little bitch but it's fun yeah I, I i'll agree i liked it at the time and i and then it, it made i saw that before shop around the corner and i was like oh wow what's this uh Lubitsch guy what's he doing <laughs> and my world is rocked so well congrats on that uh merry christmas or you know happy holidays whichever you're not offended by <laughs> but um so where uh, can people find you online i know you're temporary hiatus but are you tweeting or on social media at all 
No, I eliminated Twitter and I don't have an Instagram. I think probably the best place to find me is uh, honestly just Google my last name, Lobinger. <laughs> and uh, no, it, I, yeah, on different people's podcasts uh, and still all the Film Baby Film episodes are still available. So um, yeah, uh, that's probably the best place to find me is on different people's podcasts. Hopefully Criterion Now again sometime in the future. This has been Sometimes, such a delight, yeah. Aaron. Yeah, it's great to have you. And hopefully 2021 things will lighten up and have a few more episodes. So, um, yeah, I just Googled Lobinger and you were not in the first page of results. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> no? Who is who is in the... Oh, my gosh. There are other Lobingers out there? Now I'm, uh... Oh, the first one I saw was Blake Lobinger sentenced to prison in Tan Mogul. So, um, and then the second one was... Uh, Caleb Lobinger, so the Lobinger family. I don't know. We'll talk about this offline. Just I don't want to incriminate you. <laughs> Caleb, uh, he's always been the black sheep. <laughs> that asshole. So you can find me AWS five hundred five on Twitter. Just go to the Facebook group for Criterion Now. That's uh, and on all the Facebook groups. So that's that's where I tend to hang lately. That's been my 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 refuge from uh, this ugly world. Uh, it's it's not that bad. It's getting better. Twenty twenty one. I have high hopes. Uh, you can find the, the podcast at Criterion Cast, um, the Master Feed. Uh, you can uh, support the show on or the network on, on Patreon and get the early episodes, and you'll get to hear our takes on the Irishman and your take on love. I guess <laughs> I'll find out. And um, and yeah, you can uh, look for uh, look for it on the Master Feed. And uh, yeah, everybody have a happy New Year. Hope you enjoyed the Christmas. Be safe. Wear a mask. All that stuff. Watch movies. <laughs>